Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. I'd also like to give a shout out to Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API-based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. A CryptoFin industry award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking at crossriver.com crypto. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Hey Scoop listeners, I'm Ashlyn Keeley. I cover regulation and policy for The Block, and I'm on the mic this week to give you an overview of the policy landscape for Bitcoin mining. The policy conversation around Bitcoin mining is accelerating these days, moving forward on both federal and local levels. In Washington, the Securities and Exchange Commission is proposing environmental disclosures, which would require firms, including mining companies, to give the agency information on its energy usage. Late last month, members of Congress sent a letter to the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, on Earth Day, decrying the effects of Bitcoin mining. The industry swiftly responded, and we'll talk to one of those respondents today. And of course, there is New York's moratorium on Bitcoin mining, which proposes to halt certain mining operations in the state for two years to study their impact on the environment. We'll speak to a lawmaker who's advocating for a different way to work with the industry. Ultimately, it's important to remember that unlike other crypto operations, much of the concerns around mining are tangible, relating to community concerns like environmental impact, noise pollution, and taking up community space. Today, we're taking a look at how miners are working to mitigate those concerns. Taras Kulik is the senior vice president of growth at Bitcoin mining firm Core Scientific. Core Scientific is also a member of the Bitcoin Mining Council, a coalition of crypto firms that seeks to add an industry perspective to the narratives around mining. I sat down with Taras to talk about the Mining Council's response to lawmakers' letter to the EPA, how miners are viewing the policy landscape, and how they're working with local communities to set up shop. Thanks so much for being here, Taras. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the invite. Of course, yeah. So let's start pretty macro. From a regulation and policy perspective, what are the biggest threats to the expansion of mining in the U.S. right now on the federal level? We'll get to states and local communities in a second, but what kind of regulatory pressures are mining firms feeling from Washington at the moment? Well, the winds of change are blowing, and you know, depending on how you look at it, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. I look at it generally as a good thing, 
because as activities become regulated, they become less risky in regards to not knowing how the future operations will be hit by regulations. You get more certainty in an, in an ecosystem in a new sector like digital asset mining. Two of the biggest things that are hitting right now are really the SEC sustainability emissions requirements that are being in, implemented um, and also the EPA letter that was submitted by Representative Huffman the other week that we subsequently responded to actually with several uh, notable signatories in support of that. Uh, but really it all boils down to the executive order from the Biden administration that's dealing with you know, a wide swath of things that the environmental impact kind of became the, the key rallying mark for digital asset miners in the United States. The good thing is, is it seems like there's a lot of misinformation that can be very easily uh, quelled and dealt with uh, within Washington. Specifically that, for some reason, legislators think that digital miners produce CO2. For the record, we don't. Power generation produces CO2. The only thing digital asset mining produces is heat and maybe a bit of noise depending on the infrastructure you're utilizing for your hash rate generation. So those are really two of the, the key things that roll up to the executive order uh, from Biden. Right. So let's start with the EPA letter. Basically, a coalition of House Democrats sent a letter to the EPA citing some concerns related to Bitcoin mining or really just crypto mining in general. And then essentially the Bitcoin Mining Council rebutted those claims in their own letter. So what are those main claims you're pushing back on? You already started to talk a little bit about it, but where's that major disconnect and, and what arguments are each side pushing? Well, the disconnect is that the EPA letter that Huffman submitted basically tried to state that all Bitcoin miners, you know, use coal and are turning on carbon emitting uh, power generation sources for their needs. That's just factually incorrect. And, and it's actually pretty intellectually lazy for EPA letter drafters to put in as their main crux of, of argument against digital asset mining. The other thing, they, they listed actually like a whole bunch of things. Some of the other ones was e-waste uh, that, you know, digital miners have obsolescence terms of a year, 1.6 years that relied on a, was it a research paper done by DeVries, Digiconomist, or how he was originally called Dogeconomist, then became Digiconomist. So a bunch of like nonsense terms that they cobbled together to just have something on Earth Day that they thought nobody would look at, nobody would respond to. But, you know, these are the exact type of pieces of misinformation that the digital asset mining industry really needs to get overturned from what people think, right? Like you get a mind worm that, oh, digital mining creates CO2. You pass it on to your cousin, uncle, grandma, friend, and nobody actually goes in to think about, well, maybe that's not true. So the fact that we put the letter together, rebutting every single point in detail, I think was important, especially with the signatories that backed it, because there really are uh, the industry titans that are supportive of digital mining because it's not burning coal. We're not filling landfills full of S9s. They're still operating after seven years, eight years. So a lot of that FUD was just completely nonsense. Digital miners actually provide a utility for grids in the fact that we can be a baseload power and scale down almost instantaneously. There's all sorts of ancillary benefits that for some reason that EPA letter forgot to mention. And that's why we made sure that in our response to the EPA letter, all of those positive net benefits to communities, to the environment, to power generation were all included there. 
And so since we're already pushing on this climate issue, how will the SEC climate disclosures affect mining firms? Yeah, so there's all sorts of ways to measure carbon emissions. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to measure carbon emissions from a private power generation perspective. Also, if you tap into the grid, you have to really rely on the grid operator that you're working with to provide you good data to then be able to report up to the SEC. Unfortunately, there is no standard that I'm aware of at this point that can be used for digital miners to say, hey, utility operator, here's what we're looking for uh, aside from what is already provided. So, you know, one of the questions that I've been asked before is I'm a private power generator. How do I understand my carbon emission footprint? Well, you have to hire expensive consultants. There is no governmental agency that I'm aware of that you can actually go and hire and they'll give you the report you're looking for. So a lot of it is on the onus of the operator. And then from private power generators that you're partnering with, I mean, that'll be a a much more difficult conversation because, again, it's just additional expenses and OPEX for them. What would be good is a standard uh, form, so to speak, that every Bitcoin miner or even every power generator must provide to uh, either the EPA or the IEA or administration if there's a new organization that they spin up uh, that you know anybody can rely on, not just Bitcoin miners. Because at the end of the day, 90% of Bitcoin miners, even more, rely on the grid. They don't use behind-the-meter uh, power generation at this time. So that's, again, one of the things that the EPA letter was trying to push as the main narrative, which is fundamentally incorrect. Most of us plug in just like you do your car and your house. So the main concern is not disclosures themselves. It's the application of the disclosures. It's how that disclosure will be made. And standardization so that everybody knows exactly what they need to be reporting and how it should be reported. And the onus shouldn't be on the Bitcoin miners in particular. It should be on power generators. Power generators should have carbon dioxide or carbon emission disclosure requirements that are public, are disclosed, that you can rely on, and then that feeds up into the SEC disclosure. So that digital miners aren't picked on, so to speak, or any data center operators aren't picked on, because that's the other thing. Bitcoin mining and digital asset mining is just data centers. So if we're responsible for that, shouldn't other data centers also be responsible for that? Which hopefully they are with these SEC requirements coming out. So I want to now go a little more local and talk about the New York moratorium and what that can tell us about mining centers opening at different local levels. What are the community concerns and and how are mining firms contending with that? So let's be clear. The New York moratorium is specifically for behind-the-meter carbon-based power generation of -of proof-of-work digital mining. That doesn't mean there is uh, a moratorium on Bitcoin mining plugged into the grid, as I mentioned before, or plugged into renewable projects. It is a very small sliver of potential projects that digital miners could participate in in New York State. I think that people need to be aware of what the actual moratorium is on and not just, there's no more mining in New York City or in New York State. Right. I keep seeing the word ban and I'm like, it's not a ban. (laughs) It's not even a ban. It's a moratorium for more study and more analysis and more research. So I think the, the clickbait headlines have thrown a lot of people off until they dig in and actually read what the lawmakers put forward. And again, it's back to carbon based generation reporting requirements and making sure that they comply with already existing municipal standards and regulations. Don't build beside a school if you're using air-cooled. The decibel levels are too loud. 
you know, use immersion or use hydro from Bitmain that just came out. You know, you there are technologies that will allow you to be a digital miner that's next to a community and you won't piss them off, to be frank. So what types of ways are we seeing crypto firms engage with the public in that way? Are we going to see mining firms at community board meetings having to convince the PTA that this isn't a bad idea? Uh, yes, we've already been doing that. And there's two ways to do this, the good way or the bad way. <laughs> the good way is what you just said, is to be a good community partner. In fact, one of the things that Core Scientific does extremely well is we're a great community partner. Uh, for example, in Marble, North Carolina, we've been hand-in-hand hand with the mayor there to ensure that the community is fully aware of what we've been doing. The sound that we create is mitigated. You know, The partnership that we provide there is greatly appreciated. In other communities that CORE operates, we've actually had members of the council write letters and say, holy crap, these guys actually went above and beyond to make sure that our concerns were heard, addressed, and they seem to be really good community partners. And, oh, look, here are all the jobs that they actually created in this community where we're really needing high-quality, high-paying jobs. So there's a good model to go after, and then there's a bad model, which is really the model where you don't participate. You don't listen to the concerns. You try to run in the gray area of, of municipal bylaws and requirements. At the end of the day, those are not operations that are going to last long, and you see the backlash that's happening. You know, Several miners have been hit with cease and desist orders based on them not complying with regulations that they should have known about that were within their communities. You know, you don't build next to a school if you're going to be a, an air-cooled miner. You know, just simple things that you, you you would think that somebody putting tens of millions of dollars to build a facility would contemplate. So really, it's the principles and first basics of, of what you want to do when you're building any large-scale infrastructure. Because the thing that people have to understand is digital mining is where digital meets the real world. Like we are heavy operators of infrastructure. Like this is literally the roads and bridges of Web 3.0 eventually. You know, the Bitcoin network, as it continues to be as secured as, as it is, layer two and layer three technologies continue to be built on top of it, like Strike, Lightning Network, et cetera. You know, what we will provide is a security base layer for these technologies. So it, you have to understand that this is infrastructure for 20 to 25 years, not you know, a, a DeFi pump and dump scam coin that's going to disappear in three months, two months. Like we are here, we're creating long-term jobs. We can't pick up a, a facility and move in a day, right? Like it's it's real. It's real industry. Absolutely. And so for people looking to make decisions or, or inform themselves as voters, as community members, what types of third-party options are are there for them to to look into this on their own front? Are there types of energy disclosures that they can look into? Are there different tracking measures that don't come from either, you know, the studies that Congress is citing versus the studies that the Bitcoin Mining Council is citing? You know, is there is there sort of a third party way that people can look into this for themselves? Of course, you can reach out to the miner that's operating your community and ask them, are you grid tied or are you powered by uh, self power generation? If they're grid tied, you can go to your local utility and say, hey, what's the mix of power that we're using in, in our community. You know, and if that bothers you that you're using coal or natural gas or nuclear or solar or wind, you know, that's that's the mix that is powering your own home. Right? So you can certainly do some research and find out what the mix is going into a, a mining facility, uh, assuming it's tied into the utility grid. Those are numbers that you should be able to get from your local utility operator. Great. Well, thank you so much.
Thank you for having me. Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Cross River. Building the next big thing in crypto? Then it's time to get your fiat on and off ramp solution from Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. Cross River is powering the future of financial services. A CryptoFin industry award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking. Request your fiat on and off-ramp solution now at crossriver.com crypto. I wanted to hear more from lawmakers about the real-world implications of mining operations, so I sat down with Assemblymember Clyde Vanell. Assemblymember Vanell holds a seat in New York State Assembly, representing the 33rd District of Queens. The assembly member has been vocal on crypto issues in New York and has also been part of the conversation on the proposed moratorium on mining. Rather than taking a defensive stance by halting mining to study the impact, assembly member Vanell says he wants to play offense. That's why he not only opposes the moratorium, he's pushing a bill to create a blockchain and cryptocurrency task force to proactively work with the industry. We chatted about how he's thinking about mining as a state lawmaker and what community concerns he's weighing in the conversation around mining. Assemblymember Clyde Vanell holds a seat in New York State Assembly representing the 33rd District of Queens. The Assemblymember is moving forward with a bill that would create a cryptocurrency and blockchain task force in New York State to promote well-crafted regulation for the industry, and has also been part of the conversation on the proposed moratorium on mining. Thanks so much for being here, Assemblymember. Asen, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on, on the podcast, so thank you for having me. Absolutely. So to start, the New York mining moratorium has been a hot button issue recently. Can you explain the main points of the bill and why crypto advocates are so concerned about it? So, you know, it's been something that has been introduced in the New York State Assembly since, I believe, 2020 for about two years now. And it it originally started off as a ban. Folks wanted to ban crypto mining in New York State. And then it has evolved to what to this year to to be a a two year ban. Some people call it moratorium, but two-year ban on on crypto mining uh, in a specific area where at 
former power plants uh, behind the meter mining. But, you know, one thing that folks are really concerned about and I'm concerned about is, is number one, uh, keep in mind the reason why they did it. The reason why they do it, you know, is because of the environmental concerns. Now, keep in mind, we all know that, uh, and we're concerned too, we all know that cryptocurrency mining takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of electricity, it takes a lot of energy. That's a cost of the of the system. And we're, we're, we're aware of that. We're also aware that, you know, that over time, the mining process has become more and more efficient. The rigs have become more and more efficient. And the market is moving to a certain direction of efficiency. And I think that's really important for us. The, the, the way forward, Ashton, is not, not just for crypto mining, but the way forward for environmental issues, the way forward for making sure that we're more green, the way forward to save the climate is for all of us to work on it together. There are many industries out here that are energy inefficient or that could be more efficient. Not, but not with just energy, but with resources, right? There, so we can make almost every industry can be more efficient. We have to look at every industry to be able to see hey, what are the best practices and how do we move towards a cleaner earth? But the, you know, this proposal, I think, is the wrong approach. There seems to be a bit of a he said, she said when it comes to advocates and detractors from mining. What sort of resources did you use to form your opinion to say, you know, the cost of this maybe isn't as high as the reward? I don't, look, Ashton, what, what's important is this, is that, again, if we pinpoint any industry and say, hey, you know, your uses are too high stop your uses, that is not the right way to go about it. If this industry has many benefits. So let me back up a little bit. I first got into the New York State Assembly in 2016. And at that time, I put in a number of different bills or what have you. But mining wasn't a big industry in New York State. We had a few mining poles in New York State. We had a few miners in New York State, but it wasn't it wasn't a burgeoning industry uh, in New York State. As a matter of fact, I visited a number of them at the time, you know, in 2017. But in just a few years, many of the pools left other countries, and upstate New York has become a attractive place for mining operations. And what's interesting is that, given from my visits in 2017 to my visits now. The workforce is much more, it's more of an industry. There's more folks working in these places. There's more folks being trained to work in these places. Let me give you the perfect, a little example. 2017, I visited a, play, uh, a mining pool in probably Rochester and few employees in this big warehouse, maybe less than five, maybe less than 10. So imagine these computers, imagine these rigs that you need to get fixed because they're working so much. At that time, this place sent them out to other countries to get fixed or other places to get fixed. Fast forward today, oftentimes I, I've been to a number of these places where people with, without advanced degrees fixing microchips, fixing motherboards, not sending it out, but, but being trained in-house to fix and diagnose problems with the stuff. I've seen people being trained to become network engineers. I've seen local people 
work and getting trained and skilled and working in these really high technical skilled jobs. And now the workplaces of, you know, of at least 50 to 100 or more people working. So this industry has boomed in New York State and in areas that wasn't attractive to other industries and that are hiring people, local people, giving them jobs and opportunities. Getting to the environmental part of it. It's very important for us to see, okay, if this takes a lot of energy, if this takes a lot of resources, can we work with the industry to be able to figure out how to mitigate it, how to have less resources or what have you? That's the approach. The approach is not, oh my gosh, you use too much, you should shut down or blah, blah, blah. How do we make sure that we mitigate the cost, accentuate the, the benefits? Right. But what are some of the concerns you hear from your constituents and how is that conversation playing out right now? We are concerned about the energy uses. We're concerned about that. We're concerned that, you know, we're concerned about how much energy it takes. We're concerned about whether it's going to become more efficient over time. We're concerned about whether it'll take, you know, too much energy in a time where we are moving toward, we just passed, you know, last year we passed environmental law to be able to make sure that we reach certain goals in 10 years. You know, so we, we are concerned. Again, there are costs involved. So we have, to, it's not all about the benefits, right? We're concerned about energy usage. And, and I think it's important. That's why in the cryptocurrency and blockchain task force that passed, that bill that passed in my house, and hopefully it'll pass in the Senate, and hopefully the governor will sign it. On the task force, we have environmentalists to help us figure out how to make this more efficient and and the best way to do so. Absolutely. And so a lot of mining firms um, make claims about the types of their energy usage, their move to renewables, the way that they're perhaps in other states and maybe New York as well, diverting power back to the grid, depending on what system they're on. How can we actually vet those claims? Are there disclosures or, you know, third party resources that people who are interested in this can look to, to see if that argument is actually playing out? So in New York State, again, I, you know, I'm a policy man. In New York State, we have our agencies to be able to make sure that they work with our environmental agencies to make sure that, you know, these companies are doing right in the neighborhood. They're making sure that they are doing what they say and making sure that they are operating properly under the licenses that they're there to do so. So our agencies are very transparent and people can go and see, you know, see what uh, what's happening with respect to you know, to energy usage in this industry. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your work, Assemblymember. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed myself. So the dialogue around mining takes place around congressional letters and disclosure standards and legislation, but it's also taking place on the community level and affects everyday concerns like job creation and how loud a data center can be. There are layers, and it can be hard to navigate those layers amid the noise around the issue. But people are asking questions, and miners are trying to provide answers. Keep an eye out for future Policy Scoop updates, and follow me at the block at Ashton Keeley to see how it unfolds.